so what's going on? What's causing this rise in pedestrian deaths? Nobody is really sure exactly. There's some theories about that. This is The Full Story. I'm Tom Kuser. Getting around in Connecticut can be dangerous, especially for pedestrians. Last year, 75 pedestrians were killed by vehicles in the state. That's according to the State Department of Transportation, and that's the largest number in quite some time. In April of 2022, we spoke with Amy Watkins. She's the pedestrian safety coordinator for Watch For Me CT. That's a program spearheaded by the Connecticut DOT and Connecticut Children's Injury Prevention Center. At that time, there were concerns that 2022 would be one of the deadliest years for pedestrians. Here's an excerpt of that interview. What was very strange about COVID was uh, it reduced the vehicle miles traveled because many people were staying at home. And what we all expected to happen would be a reduction in deaths. Um, because fewer people were on the roads. But what we found instead and what has contributed to the trend in 2021 and 2022 is huge increases in fatalities um, because the people who are on the road are driving much faster, much more dangerously. So even though there's fewer cars on the road, the, the fatalities kept going up. So we've got a lot of single car crashes versus two car fender benders. So you'll have somebody driving in an uncongested highway with a wide open road and uh, and it led to a lot of crashes. And, and that goes also uh, for our pedestrians and our bicyclists. Um, for some reason, uh, it's just kind of getting a little crazy out there. And it turns out those concerns were valid. Ms. Watkins joins us on Zoom. Welcome back to the program. Hi, thanks so much for, for having me and for covering this topic. Certainly. And if you could remind us to begin with, uh, what does Watch For Me CT do? What what kind of work do you do? Well, we're sort of a twofold program. One is the campaign, the education campaign that we see on billboards or bus tails or advertisements to remind people to share the road, that this is an important issue and we all have to be safe out there. And then the other part of the program is actually getting out into communities and bringing information to towns, organizations, students, uh, police, other people who are interested in this topic. So we do a little bit of that community outreach effort as well. And when we last spoke, you anticipated this increase in pedestrian deaths. Were, were these deaths all over the state or were they concentrated in any particular areas? Well, they, they are, uh, unfortunately, all around the state. They are, at the same time, you'll see a higher count in some of our cities. So New Haven, Hartford, Waterbury, Bridgeport, Stamford. There's more people there. We have a lot of congestion, a lot of people walking, a lot of traffic. So you have a higher number there. But we have deaths in small towns, medium towns, and cities all across the state. And it was a terrible year, as you say. It was, um, unfortunately, as predicted, a deadly year for pedestrians last year. So what's going on? What's causing this rise in pedestrian deaths? Nobody is really sure exactly. There's some theories about that. So one is that COVID, for some reason, led to some 
more dangerous driving behaviors. When the roads were open, people felt that they could uh, raise their speed and really get going fast on highways, side roads, um, disregarding stop signs and stoplights. And that behavior has not gotten better since people have come back. So now we have more we, people are back at work. We have more congestion. We have more people walking, but the driving behaviors are sa are staying the same. Uh, the other piece is impairment. We have rising impairment rates here in our state that may also be uh, a major player in our wrong way crashes, which you might have heard about. And many people have noticed that that has gone sharply up as well. And that has a lot to do with impairment. So uh, there's a few things that are happening and it's sort of a perfect storm for uh, some these unfortunate events. I'm wondering, too, about the uh, the demographics, I guess you might say. Is there any particular age group that is seeing uh, a, a rise in this problem, not so much from the pedestrian perspective, but from the driving impairment perspective? Our highest offenders for impaired driving are young men, usually between 20 and 35. The next rising group that is uh, catching up to the younger men are the older men, so in their 50, 40s and 50s. As far as deaths, as pedestrian deaths, that's also more men than women typically are killed um, while walking. And for age groups, it's it's we have people from two to ninety, but the the group most affected are people fifty five and older. So our seniors, our older folks, not even seniors, but just our older um, half of the population, the burden is unfairly placed on the on that age group, and that's partly for a few reasons, but also it's just uh, if if you're older and you have a crash, it's a lot harder to to survive that, as well as factors like the time they need to cross the street and things like that. So they're disproportionately affected. Well, we're halfway through 2023. What do the numbers look like for this year so far? So far, we have 28 fatalities, pedestrian fatalities and two bicyclist fatalities. It's on par with last year. It has not gotten better. Um, and at the rate, this rate, we anticipate we will have another bad year. Is this time of year more common for pedestrian deaths? It's warmer, people are out walking, uh, or is it spread out over the year? The worst months are actually November, December, January, hmm. uh, when it starts to get darker earlier uh, and people are um, walking and driving at dusk, you know, at five o'clock. Uh, those tend to be the worst months, but we have a death of about one, one a week, no matter what month it is. What is Watch for Me CT doing to address this increase in pedestrian deaths? We're doing a few things. One is we serve on the Vision Zero Council, uh, which is a DOT and government um, formulated council to reduce deaths, traffic deaths to zero. We've been serving on that and we're part of making recommendations to the governor which we're, and to the legislature, which was were just passed. We're just um, passed this uh, last month. So we're making some strides as far as um, improving infrastructure, recommending things like cameras in school zones during school hours and some uh, other improvements that should help reduce death as far as policy and infrastructure go. Um, we're also continuing to expand our education program to uh, reach more drivers and more children as we're partnering with our Safe Routes to School program. 
thinking that we can get children uh, to you know, learn these things, share it with their families, remind their parents to be good drivers, and remind everybody to just be safe on the road and not take that safety for granted. You mentioned that uh, quite a few of the driving infractions come from uh, young men, older men as, as well. Is there any effort to address them specifically in uh, driver education? Not necessarily with driver education. We did partner with a few organizations and create a a campaign that was specifically targeted to young men. Um, uh, Like 75% of that was to target the younger male group. And the last 25 was the older male group. And that was about impairment, specifically asking, you know, addressing the Uh, drunk driving when you're in what we call your comfort zone. So when you go to your neighborhood bar or the place you always go and you're used to riding around in your town and you feel safe, but remembering that those that even driving where you're comfortable, if you're driving impaired can be very dangerous, whether it's getting a ticket, getting a, getting into a crash. Um, So we've created some campaigns specifically targeted at changing behavior for that group. Um, But you raise a really good question about driver education. Um, Some of that was passed in the recent Vision Zero bill, which will work on um, educating offenders. So if you have offended, you have to go through a, um, a an education class or watch a video and people renewing their licenses, et cetera, will also have to go through some additional driver training. So what we're trying to do with that is get at people um, who are years away from their initial driver training, you know, at 18, 16, 17, 18, and getting them at different points throughout their life for the rest of their lives. So hopefully that will help address that. Is it uh, safe to assume that uh, the General Assembly backed up some of these past bills and education uh, programs with some money? We hope so. I don't exactly know how that all shakes out, but um, we hope so. It definitely shows that they support these sorts of efforts. Um, Some of it was about giving permission to the agencies who have the money, who uh, will be able to implement some of these things, and they, they they need the go ahead. So uh, we're hoping that with all of us working together, that we're gonna start to find some solutions to these problems. Anne Lopez, senior Hi. producer over there on the other side of the glass. Anne has one more question before you go. Is there any indication that the legalization of marijuana has played a role in increased impaired driving and also would increased or enhanced public transportation help to reduce the, the number of pedestrian accidents or deaths? Unfortunately, there isn't a good way to measure marijuana impairment at the time of a crash because of the nature of um, of cannabis that stays in your system so that you may test positive for it, but not be impaired. So I know that the police are working on having field officers who are good at responding and and, um, being able to identify marijuana or other drug impairment. So we don't have the statistics, but that is a very good observation that Perhaps that is playing a role. Um, For example, with the wrong way crashes, people have asked, you know, why all of a sudden? And our roads have not changed in decades. You know, many of these problem areas have been the same for a long time. So we have to look at possibly other explanations. One would be alcohol impairment and the other could possibly be marijuana impairment unfortunately. And yes, public transit, anything that helps to reduce congestion, 
that gets people out of cars and onto public transit. It's safer. It's also, if we had better public transit, maybe people would be driving impaired less if they had more options for getting home safely and inexpensively and not having to hire an Uber or other ride share. So yes, any kind of infrastructure that we can support for as, in terms of public transit is a win uh, for safety. Are there any examples of programs or projects around the country that have reduced pedestrian deaths? Yeah, so in Hoboken, New Jersey announced a Vision Zero program a few years ago, and they have reduced their traffic their traffic deaths to zero. They have done it. So uh, slowing cars down and creating infrastructure that creates uh, where a situation where cars feel comfortable only going a slower speed reduces death and injury and makes an immediate effect on, on those numbers. So there are success stories across the country, but Hoboken is the standout um, example. Wow, zero in an entire they, year. Yes, zero. Wow. Amy Watkins is the Pedestrian Safety Coordinator for Watch for Me CT, a program spearheaded by the Connecticut DOT. Thank you so much for uh, updating us on uh, the situation, which Unfortunately, doesn't sound like it's getting much better, but uh, also appreciate hearing about your efforts to, uh, to do something about that. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. That's it for this chapter of The Full Story. Be sure to keep up to date with our latest posts. Subscribe on Apple, Google, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Full Story is produced by Fatou Sangare, Sophie Kamizi, and senior producer Dan Lopez. I'm Tom Kuser. Thank you for listening to The Full Story.